Book Review Title The Coward, Quest for Heroes Book 1, by Stephen Arian Genre, Epic Fantasy Book Details, The Coward, Stephen Arian, ISBN Ebook, 9780857668899, ISBN PB, 9780857668882, Pub Date, June 8, 2021 Angry Robot Books, London. Synopsis, Who Will Slay the Evil in the Frozen North, Saving All from Death and Destruction. Not Kel Kresha, he's done his part. Kel Kresha is a legend, a celebrity, a hero. Aged just 17, he set out on an epic quest with a band of wizened fighters to slay the ice lich and save the world. He returned victorious, but alone. Ten years have passed and Kel lives a quiet life, while stories of his heroism are told in taverns all across the land. But now a new terror has arisen in the north, something has taken up residence in the leech's abandoned castle beyond the frozen circle, and the ice is beginning to creep south once more. For the second time, Kel is called upon to take up his famous sword, slayer, and battle the forces of darkness. But he has a terrible secret. Kel was never a hero, he was just lucky. Everyone puts their faith in Kel the legend, but he's just a coward who has no intention of risking his life for anyone. Rating, 5 stars. I didn't know anything about the coward but the synopsis was intriguing and it reminded me a little of Kings of the Wild which I adored. We are following Kel Kresha who became famous after slaying the Ice Lich with a band of fighters and he has been spending the last decade in relative peace but it isn't going to stay that way for very long. From the beginning we get the sense that Kel isn't a complete honest person about his past but despite this he has managed to become friend with a chote named Moen who is a barber, hairdresser and dentist rolled into once despite the chote begin seen a dangerous race. We get a little of Kel's past when some traders including Roas Tan Nadia ask about his past. Kel's story is mostly told by the barbs about how he removed the ice leech's head with his sword, Slayer but as he reveals small truths we see this wasn't the whole truth of the adventure. Shortly after this Kel receives a summons from King Bledsoe which he chooses to ignore until the Raven Guards come looking for him and drag him into the capital to answer the summons. Here he comes face to face with the king's advisor, Lucas who informs him that an envoy from Frostrunner clans has informed Bledsoe of a new threat in the north and Kel knows he is being sent to deal with it. We then switch to the perspective of Reverend Mother Brick who runs the holy city under King Robus and teaches the ways of the shepherd. Brick is trying to manipulate Robus and she succeeds in a way by telling him that Bledsoe's popularity will increase if Kel manages to deal with this supposed threat in the north and might challenge the other kings in order to become high king. Brick has also installed a spy next to the king in the form of his wife and is using her to further manipulate the king even though she isn't doing a good job of it right now. She has also convinced Robust to send someone to deal with Kel once and for all which isn't a good sign for him. As we approach the one-quarter mark in the novel, Lucas tells Kel what is going to be asked of him and even offers him a good job and money if he returns and Kel does consider this but he doesn't really want to go. Lucas obviously sees this and sends a prostitute to him in order to sweeten the deal, but he and the king discuss what they will do in the case they Kel fails and what they will do if he succeeds. King Bledsoe is also very cunning using his age and appearing frail in order to trick and persuade those around him which doesn't bode well for Kel. As Kel begins his journey north he is planning to use the money from King Bledsoe to begin a new life somewhere else where they won't look for him. He makes sure to interact with people along the way so that if Bledsoe sends any way to confirm whether or not Kel is dead, they will learn he had passed through the northern towns. However, while resting in one town before heading on he meets a young boy named, Garen who wants to come with Kel, the same way Kel joined the heroes all those years before. 
Kel tries his best to discourage the boy and even tricks him into being left behind but he eventually catches up to Kel, and there is nothing he can do to stop the boy from following him which leaves him in an awkward position as he can't leave like he was planning with Garen following him but I also believe he wouldn't leave the boy to die if it came down to it as Kel seems too kind for that. Meanwhile, Brick is reminding me a lot of Glockter from the first Law series with the Inquisition but religion rather than corruption is at the heart of this. Kel eventually manages to get rid of Garen by tying him up while he leaves, However, Garen does realize during this conversation that Kel is a coward and has no intentions of going to the north. We also get to see more of Brick sending people to kill Kel, which he doesn't have any knowledge of but she does mention she has sent several assassins over the years to kill him and none have succeeded which is making me question the version of the past Kel is presenting us with and I can't wait to unravel this mystery. As we cross the one-quarter mark in the novel, Kel is continuing on his journey but soon learns that Garen sent word ahead to the northern town that he will be coming through making it much harder for him to leave as he planned. In one town he ends up meeting the bard, Valley again and he also wants to come with Kel to the north so that he can tell the story if something happens up there. This is disturbing to Kel as more people means he can't escape and he very quickly accepts the fact he is going back to the north. However, during a conversation with Garen we learn he was cursed by the Ice Lich before he killed her and while he didn't believe it at first nothing good has happened to Kel since and he knows this curse is the reason. The trio also end up meeting an Alfar, a non-human race that are rarely seen and she wants to come with them too so Kel accepts her into the band because he knows they are going to need more fighters if they are going to survive the journey especially if there is something waiting for them there. I like the fact that because the Alfar's name is difficult to pronounce so they take to calling her Willow. In the next town they stop and Kel expects to find some fighters as he has sent word ahead that he will accept them into his growing band, however, many are seeing it as a joke and Kel has to make them see reason. This act draws forth only one person, Bronwyn who from her appearance and what little she says about her accomplishments is a skilled hunter and warrior, and will be a good addition to the band which now numbers five but Kel knows they need more otherwise they aren't going to survive. There is an interesting interaction between Valley and Garen as Garen is trying to convince Valley that Kel is a coward and Lair despite Kel telling him it won't work BTU Valley proves himself to be very capable with a blade which Garen wasn't expecting. As we approach the halfway mark in the novel, the group are unaware that have been followed by one of the anointed disguised as a Seath who is going to try and kill Kel. This doesn't happen because the anointed is stopped by I believe Valley but I can't be sure as the anointed seems to recognize the person attempting to stop them. When they get back on the road they are stopped by a group of warriors preventing them from going further into the north so the group prepare for a fight. However, they are helped by over a dozen chote, led by Darwin and they tell Kel they will see them safely across the border but they can't follow beyond that. Kel is confused why the chote helped him but we the readers know these chote were being directed by War General Moen, who I believe is the same Moen that Kel knows from back home as he refers to Kel as family. As they enter the keen lands they are beginning to realize that no one wants to join them except for a madman named Malamir who claims to be the king of the Summer Isles and Kel agrees to let him come if he trains Garen who has begun to realize the situation he has got himself into. We briefly switch back to Brick and Robus who have been sent the assassin's hands as a warning and Robus believes he is going to be killed but he prevent Brick making any moves against Bledsoe. Back with the group they have to camp out under the stars where Kel is beginning to get to know his band. Willa seems to want to come on the journey to understand humans and the different beasts of the world while Bronwyn is searching for a challenge even attempting to seduce Kel but it doesn't work. That night Garen is given first watch when a pack of Vorn attack, Garen seems to be in a hopeless situation but the pack are keeping the rest of the band occupied and it seems like this might be the end for him and I hope it isn't because I am getting attached to this little misfit. As we cross into the second half of the novel, the group finally arrive in Mir, the last haven they will have before heading out into the frozen north and beyond. 
There Kel encounters Bamani, who he met the last time he was in Mir and finds it nice to have a familiar face. A lot of the time the group spend in Mir is preparing for their trip further into the north but Garen is in crisis as he knows coming with Kel was a mistake and wants to return home. Kel explains how he felt the same way when the heroes reached this point and he had to find his own reason for continuing no matter how selfish it was and urges Garen to do the same to make sure the decision of leaving or staying is entirely his and he isn't be controlled by anything not even his fear. Garen spends most of the night thinking over what Kel said to him before making the decision to stay and I have a feeling he will come to regret it soon when he realizes the condition they will be living in out on the ice. I did find it very funny that the relationship between Malamir and Bronwyn has changed from fighting to sleeping together as if they needed a physical release for the tension between them. However, it is more than that as both suffer the same sense of isolation and loneliness and it has lessened in both of them since the change was made and even Kel observes that. Before they truly head out on the ice Kel tells them about some of the beasts they may encounter since he is the only one that has been this far north and even the vague mentions of the Kalamiran and Maglau are terrifying. It was interesting to see the slight shift in the relationship between Kel and Willow and I wouldn't be unhappy if this developed more of the course of the novel and series. As we approach the three-quarters mark in the novel, the journey into the true frozen north doesn't begin well for the group as they realize they are being tracked by some ice bears. However, these bears aren't behaving in the way Kel would expect as they are solitary animals and would only attack humans if they were desperate. These bears appear to be well-fed and working together which makes Kel believe that something or someone is controlling them as it's reach as long as they have barely crossed the frozen circle. They manage to deal with the bears with relatively few injuries but the very next day they are set upon by a saber of Maglau acting in the very same way. This fight is longer and everyone suffers some injuries even Willow, however, it seems that Garen and Bronwyn have taken the worst injuries as Garen's leg is badly injuries and Bronwyn collapses shortly after the fight. We then switch back to Britk as she is continuing to spread her message across the kingdoms and even continues her plan to kill Kel even if he returns from the north. It is clear to see here that religion and those in high positions of power are the evil's ones as Britk is willing at murder, kidnap and torture people in order to get them to come around to her way of thinking while Kel has used nothing except the truth and kind words in order to convince others. Given the situation in the north I have no idea who if anyone is going to come back alive. I hope it is all of them but I have a feeling it would be the same situation with only one survivor and that might be Garen as it would perfectly mirror Kel's own past. The group can't catch a break as shortly after dealing with the Maglau they are set upon by a group of Kalamiran but these spirits can't be killed and they don't have the time or energy to run from them and it seems like the end has come for the group. However, while almost all of the group are drawn into nightmares, Bronwyn is spared because she is injured and Malamir doesn't seem as affected by them because of his feeling for Bronwyn. Using this advantage, he ties a shirt to his sword before drenching it in oil and setting it aflame which drives back the wraiths and frees the group. They are found shortly after by a frostrunner clan who looks after them until they have recovered, their spiritual healer also helps bring Bronwyn back with Malamir's help before they are on the move again. Shortly after they have to cross a frozen lake in order to reach the leech's castle but the second they get on the ice a pack of Garrow, shark-like creatures being hunting them. While Kel's sled makes it across, Valley and Bronwyn sleds have not and the Garrow are punching holes in the ice everywhere they can. During this battle, Garen is thrown from the sled onto the ice as the other make it to safety. Even as he begins running, Kel knows he isn't going to make it so between them they create harnesses as Kel runs back out onto the ice to save the boy who has now lost a finger and is bleeding badly sending the shark into a frenzy. Kel can see from their behavior they are being controlled as they are injuring themselves to try and get to the group. Kel and Garen are pulled to safety before the sharks retreat refusing to eat the dead and Kel knows whatever is controlling them desperately doesn't want them to make it to the leech's castle. 
As we cross into the final section of the novel, the group have entered the final stretch of their journey and everyone is still alive but I don't know if their luck is going to hold out as Brick has planned to have Kel and his companions killed if they return to Mir from the north. Brit's plan are boarding on insane as she has basically created concentration camps to re-educate those that don't believe in the shepherd. As the group approach the ice leech's castle, Willow claims the castle was made by someone called Guffhenna making me think the new evil inside the castle is an alfar like Willow and that is why she came on the journey to begin with. However, there is another nasty surprise waiting for them at the entrance as the dead heroes have been reanimated and Kel has to kill them all over again. The heroes can't be killed normally, it can only be done by smashing their skulls, and it is here we learn that Bronwyn is the daughter of Bronn. Even though they win, the victory is hollow as Kel had to watch some of his friends die again, Bronwyn had to kill her own father and Garen is killed during the battle and it isn't over yet as they have to find whoever is doing this and stop them which makes me think that not all of them are going to come out of this alive. The final confrontation and the revelations that came after it were amazing but the most brilliant thing about this novel was what happened after Kel returned to the capital of Algany. I honestly wasn't expecting the major curveball that Arian threw at us right at the end but I can honestly say I need the next book right now to find out what happens when Kel eventually learns of the death of King Bledsoe and that he is being married to Princess Sigrid making him the King of Algany to rule together to prevent the uprising of the church. I like this little twist because we also learn that Kel is royalty in his own right as he is 23rd in line for the Chote throne as the current king and the war general, Moen are his uncles. I still have so many questions that I need answered but I am going to be reading the rest of Arian's work and I have a feeling he is going to become an insta-buy author for me. About the author, Stephen Arian is the author of the Age of Darkness and Age of Dread trilogies. His first novel, Battle Mage, was a finalist for the David Jummel Morningstar Award for Best Debut Fantasy Novel. It also won the inaugural Hellfest Inferno Award in France. He has previously written a comic book column and reviews for Tor.com. In addition, he has self-published and kick-started his own comics. Buy it here. Paperback slash hardcover, amazon.co.uk amazon.com. I received this review copy from the publisher.